Hello everyone and welcome to episode four of the podcast. Today we are talking about the pressures of growing up when you're a, a young adult, about buying a house, about getting married, about doing this, about doing that and why it's a load of rubbish and also why it's so much harder for us now than it was for our parents. Also, we are going to be debunking a few myths about uh, men and about what they want and about what they need. Uh, I set up an ins- Yeah, Mythbusters gone podcast um i set up a poll yesterday on insta and the results were 49 to 51 percent of uh, what we should talk about so i thought brexit i thought yeah i thought it only fair if we uh we talk about both um but first of all had a good week how was it oh damn didn't get prepared for that one uh what have i done this week i've run a lot yeah covered 42k this week in three runs. What are you training uh, for? Marathon, 27th of March. Any Not particular one? Now. Uh, just gonna do one. Might make just it. Just gonna do it. Yeah, might might check out the link for our British Heart Foundation page. Might just do it for shits and gigs. Yeah, do it, man. Um, but yeah, run a lot. Um, work's been work's been work. Uh, difficult. Same as always. What about you? Uh. Well, same old, pretty much, same as you, apart from running. Um, <laughs> work is nice and busy. Uh, Did you do the Will Hayward Ward? I didn't do the Will Hayward Ward, no. <laughs> oh, no. I went for a three-mile run in the week with Hattie, and my knee was like the size of a coconut the next day, and I was just, <laughs> I just didn't want to put myself through that. It looked like a pretty horrendous workout as well, to be fair. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Same old, haven't done much. Uh, yesterday, my dad came around to help me fit a new shower screen, which is exciting. Oh, yeah, nice. I've, nice up, I've upgraded from yeah, I've upgraded from one screen to two now. <laughs> Folds in the middle, very nice. Um, <laughs> and then I had to grout that yesterday, and Ooh. turns out grout grouting is so hard, and I don't it's know how anyone anyway. does it. Oh my god, it gets everywhere, mate. And if <laughs> the, as soon as you wipe it once, I say it, it's game over. You can't go over it again, so it just sticks to your finger. Yeah. So yeah, uh, my bathroom's a shit state at the moment. But yeah, that was all I did. Did a touch of decorating this morning, finishing up the, the wall painting that I've got. Nice. Uh, that you're looking at now. Yeah, that I'm looking at yeah. now. Uh, so yeah, I was about it really. Nothing too exciting. Spoke to my mum. Had a nice catch up with her. Um, that's about it. Nothing yeah, interesting. Nice. Um. But anyway, we'll get straight into it. Um. Is that your washing machine? That is, can you hear it? I'll edit that out. (laughs) Um, I'll just unplug it and flood my flat for the sake of a (laughs) podcast. Um, Yeah, straight into it. So before this podcast, I did a little research on how much the average house price was in the year 2000 and then the average house price of 2020 last year and how how much harder it is for people our age. So I'm talking early to mid to late 20s um yeah. how hard it for it is for us it is to get on the property ladder uh i myself am on the property ladder but i am super fortunate that i was uh helped out with buying my first house from my mum and then i was also helped out with uh money from my dad uh, and that is why i am where i am now just purely because i think that's the only feasible option of me buying a property if not if my mum had not have moved away for work i would most definitely be still living with her and I think the pressure that uh, people our age now face to get a house not necessarily to get married but to get a house to be super independent I think is just massive and I don't think the older generation realised how many more uh, let's say walls are in our way to to get in a house Um, quick bit of research I did earlier so the average wage in 2000 so I chose the year 2000 mainly because I'm estimating our parents would have been around the age of 30 maybe a little bit younger um same age as us the average wage in 2000 was 18,800 pound a year the average house price was 90,000 pound so if you look at the average deposit someone puts down on a house is 10%. That's that's sort yeah. of the minimum mortgage lenders will uh, allow you to put down. 
so 10% of a £90,000 house is £9,000. Now, that's not an unrealistic uh, amount to save, especially if you've got two people buying the house. So let's assume there's a couple buying this house. To put down £9,000 isn't that much. Now, I went into a simple mortgage calculator as well and put in uh, twice the amount of the average annual wage for one person. So, like I said, a couple buying it. And you could borrow £178,000. Now, that means you could almost buy two houses back then with no deposit, that is. Now, if with you no deposit. compare that, with no deposit, that was without a deposit, you could straight up borrow 178 grand, and you'd be like, oh, I've got nine grand to put down as well, so then your mortgage would be even smaller. Now, even if you'd even have a mortgage back then. Now, if you look at today's, well, last year's figures, sorry, the average annual wage uh, was £31,000. So it's gone up by uh, £12,000. Now, the house price has gone to £269,000 for an average house. Uh, so an increase of almost £200,000. Um, yeah. Again, a 5% deposit of that. I know a lot of places at the moment, like my flat is um, a shared ownership. So your deposit sometimes can only be, it only has to be 5% just to make it a bit easier for people to get on the market. Now that's 5% deposit is £13,500. That's a lot for someone on their own to get onto the property market. Now, yeah. let's say, again, a couple are going to buy a house. So that's an average annual wage of £62,000 coming in from both of those people. Yeah. A mortgage calculator works out that you would need to borrow enough to buy a house, you would need a £25,500 deposit. That is almost a third of a house back in 2000. And I mean, that alone... more than most people earn in a year. It's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, the average wage last year being £31,000, that's a lot higher than I thought it would be. But then, of course, this is taking into account investment bankers. This is talking like big-time money. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But just the increase in wage, the fact it's only gone up by £12,000 in 20 years but the house price has gone up by £180,000 it's sort of well it's not sort of it is the biggest factor in being able to go into the it's, property market it's pricing young people out of being able to buy their own house and their, their own property yeah yeah it's just it's bizarre that people in the older generation I mean when I used to work at the pub and we, we would talk about this because when I was working there I was going through uh, selling my house and buying this flat people were coming up to me saying like yeah i bought my first house for about thirty-five thousand pound i'm like that's nice like i mean how do they expect us to get onto the property market let alone completely own a house because i don't fully own the flat i'm in it's shared ownership and to to completely own a house at the at our age mid-20s is really really rare i think you're you're doing really well if you've done that on your own if you've saved the money then like fair play to you uh because at the moment it's like an impossible task if you're in a house at that age um you you haven't that money hasn't been put up by yourself no no i think that's a fair assumption money or property or something you've just been given that i i mean this reminded me of something i heard in the news a little while ago um that twenty five percent of twenty to thirty year olds are still living at home with their parents, which is I got it here actually. It says forty six percent increase in the last uh, twenty years of twenty to thirty year olds living at home with their parents still. So I think that really reflects which is mental. People just can't afford to get a house at the moment, especially around here. Yeah, yeah. Well, living in the Cotswolds it being uh, quite a pricey place to live. I think it was about three or four years ago. Um, I can't remember what newspaper it was, uh, but they did an article on the average house price increase by percentage. Yeah. Uh, number one was Chelsea in London uh, that had skyrocketed. Number two was Dursley, yeah. where we live, uh, <laughs> main, mainly because it's just a commuter's town. You know, mm-hmm. You've got train stations, you've got motorways going both ways, just 10 minutes away etc etc and people around here i mean there's houses going up left right and center where we live um, <laughs> for example 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're both in, sat in new builds, yeah. uh, in new estates. Um, it's just bizarre to me that people of the old generation are shocked that we don't have a house yet. And yeah. not only that is, when I was younger, um, uh, talking like five years ago, when I was 17, 18, it was, everyone's like, you've got to think long-term, you've got to think, you've got to invest your money in a house, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, hang on, I've, I've done one year of full-time work. I've probably earned, what, 15 grand? And straight away, that goes on car insurance, buying a car, buying clothes. Because at that age, when you first get a full month's paycheck, it's loads of money. Because you've just been used to part-time work, whether you're a student or whether you're um, doing other things. But my initial thought when I get my first paycheck isn't, oh, I better put this in a help to buy ISA. Yeah. It's not, no one thinks about that at that age, or at least I don't think they do now. Um, or maybe they do. Maybe they're so worried that they're not going to be able to afford a house. They're thinking, I need to save every last penny. And, you know, there are people our age now uh, buying houses. They are in couples because two wages makes it a lot easier than just one. Um, yeah, it's just mental. Have you experienced any pressure from friends, family? I think there's there's peer pressure around still being 27 and living at home kind of thing. Um, yeah. But, like, that stat that I just pulled out of The Guardian... Uh, a quarter of people our age are living at home. Um, yeah, like we've been saying, it's just it's not feasible to 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 be buying a house unless you're in a relationship or you're going to go twos with someone and buying a house, which isn't yeah a good option as far as I'm concerned. So you you're looking to be in a relationship with someone really, which has its own complications around mortgages and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, yeah. unless yeah, I I agree. I bought. <laughs> Unless you've got two salaries going in, it's just not going to happen anytime soon, is it? And does that change the nature of the relationship? Maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. I mean, my experience in it, I, I bought my first house. Uh, when I was super fortunate, I bought it off my mum. It was my mum's house yeah. and she gave it to me for a very cheap, very cheap price. So I didn't have to put down a deposit. But with mine and my partner's wage at the time, we literally could only, I think we could only borrow like £20,000 more than what the house was valued at, which is nothing yeah. in house terms. And that was without a deposit, you know. Um, and then, like you say, it brings in complications. So we had a joint bank account. Well, five years later, we still have a joint bank account together. There's no <laughs> money coming out of it. But because to, to cancel that, you both have to go in, a, in an appointment at the same time. So then it's trying to find times when you're both free, blah, blah, et cetera, et cetera. Buying a house or uh, buying whatever with a friend uh, leads to money complications. You don't want to be that guy that has to ask your friend for money when their rent yeah. is due. Um, I mean, I rent my spare room out here at the flat, but I said uh, said to myself, as soon as I had a room spare, I would never rent it to a friend yeah. because you don't want something like that coming in between a friendship. Um, and I am now friends with my flatmate. Um but there's still, you know, that understanding that technically I'm a landlord, yeah. which is just bizarre to me. But I would not want that to come between a friend, you know. Even if you are helping a friend out by letting them live with you, you know, and just charging a small amount of rent, it's it's such a dangerous game to play. And I think if it's not a, it does, yeah. And if it's not a long term thing, if you know it's just you just want to move out to experience it or you want to become more independent, I would strongly recommend you do not buy a house with someone because yeah. it is so much more complicated than people think. And yeah. the, the endless paperwork and the endless things you've got to sign and send off and get people to, to sign for you. And if you just want a taste of being independent and living on your own, go and rent a flat somewhere in Bristol for like, for like six months. Yeah. Because I think renting as well is renting's a bit like dead money in a way. You know, you don't you don't get anything in return for it, no. um, unless you were you know unless you were say you're working in a city, and your commute just wasn't working out money wise or etc. And it was cheaper to rent there or something. Absolutely, but if you're just renting for the sake of renting, I would strongly 
advise not to do that and just tell your parents you're going to be living at home a few more years because the money you save, if you put into savings account what you'd spend on rent each month, you'll find yourself having a deposit for a house pretty soon. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a it's sticky, difficult, sticky situation. Because I, um, yeah. I was looking, I mean, I said this the other day, I know um, I could feasibly get uh, shed ownership for a three-bed new build by you. With my salary, I could get a mortgage for it, and I've got the money for a deposit on it. But the shared ownership, the nature of shared ownership, would wipe me out. Then I wouldn't actually have any money to spend or use yeah. or buy any food with. So even though shared ownership yeah. is a great option, if you want a house, which you know I'd need a house because having the dog, um, yeah, you really just—it's not possible solo unless no. you have, unless you come from money. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And and the whole, for people that aren't 100% sure on what shared ownership is, in basic terms, shared ownership, you have a mortgage, but you also pay rent. So your the value of the property will be a lot less than other people's houses. So you will have to pay a lot less for it, but that means you have to pay rent to the company that own the other bit of that property, if that makes sense. That's the most simple way I can explain it. So the flat I'm in right now is a shared ownership flat. I pay mortgage to my mortgage lender, but I also pay rent to the company that owns the building. Uh, but within that, I also pay a maintenance fee, um, which means I have to pay X amount each month, and it means the my hallway carpets in between the flats get cleaned uh any you know painting or any work like that gets done outside of my flat that is because technically i still own my flat so i can do whatever i want to it because it's mine so if i was just renting it i wouldn't be able to paint all over the walls i wouldn't be able to change the bathroom um so yeah shared ownership is a is a good way for getting young people onto the property market onto the property ladder sorry but when I moved in here, I had a good deposit from my house sale, but I, it's even though it's a new build, I've spent quite a few thousand pounds putting stuff into it, because funnily enough, fridges and ovens aren't free, and new builds are notorious for having problems with them. So I mean that's another bit bit of advice is new builds are pretty dodgy. So if you're thinking of buying it, make sure you take photos when you view it, because um, it can come back and sting you. But yeah, like you said, shared ownership for a person on their own, it would completely wipes out the money you've saved because you've got to pay rent as well. And because you're, you would be buying on your own, your mortgage is very hard to pay on your own. And then all of a sudden your mortgage is matching your rent. And then you're like, Jesus Christ, 75% of my rent of my income is going on my rent and mortgage. And then you've got to buy food and then you've got a by other things, you know, necessities. So it is a good idea. I would recommend yeah. shared ownership route for people that can do it instead of trying to just get a house on their own. But you have to look at the downside of it and and that is the rent side. That rent money never changes. Your rent doesn't go down. It can only go up. Your maintenance charge can't go down. It can only go up. It's not as easy as, as people would think. And um, again, I know I'm just slagging off the older generation in this uh, podcast, but if they're saying, oh, you know, the government's doing X, Y, and Z, you've got these, you know, help to buy ISAs, you've got shared ownership. Yes, but you have to remember it's not as simple as the advert makes it out to be. Um, no. I think pe- people have just got to be careful when it comes to property because it's the biggest thing you'll ever buy in your life it's abs and that's sort of it really you know when you say to someone oh uh, what's your mortgage and my mortgage at the moment is a uh, 35 year mortgage with five years fixed rate and people are like, what does that mean what it means it's going to take me 35 years to pay off what i owe my mortgage company 35 years i'm not going to pay back this flat i'm not living in this flat forever but <laughs> it means I will be, technically, I'll be 58 by the time I 
own my side of this flat, I'll still have to pay rent every month. Yeah. You know, a 35-year commitment, I know you can obviously get lower commitments. You can do a 20-year mortgage if you want, but I guarantee you, you won't be able to pay that because your mortgage each month will be horrendous amounts. Yeah, probably double what you're paying now. Yeah, exactly. And a 35-year commitment for something is probably something that people have never, ever thought about or come close to in their entire life. Um, so, yeah, you need to be careful when it comes to property. And this is another thing that makes it harder. Why some people I know that are in their 40s and 50s have rented their entire life because they don't want the, the commitment of owning a house because of the downside that can come with it. Um, and to be honest, being gone through what I've gone through, having it took, I think, 11 months for me to sell my house and move into this flat, I can understand why people don't want that stress and that yeah. and that worry. Obviously, there are downsides to just renting a house. You know, you can your landlord might give you one month's notice and you've got to shift and find another house, you know. But with that comes the worries of not having to pay for the boiler if it breaks, not having to do any maintenance on your property. So renting isn't the worst thing in the world, but personally, I would buy a house if I had the money to, because it's such a good investment long-term. Um, yeah. You know, you're only going to make money on it, really, unless you're in a re- unless you get your house in a real shit state. Um, but yeah, we've talked about houses forever. But um, another point I wanted to make as well would be uh, another reason why it's hard for people our age to, to buy a house is other necessities you need. So just using a car, for example, I know last year is probably the worst example to use because no one was driving last year. But um, a used to buy a used car last year in the UK, it increased by £2,000, an average price for a used wow. car. Now, the most expensive car I bought is £700 because <laughs> I just I buy absolute shit boxes and just run them into the ground. And I just keep doing that over and over again because, yeah, yeah, and, and you don't have a car. So we're probably the worst people to talk about this. But yeah. a... <laughs> <laughs> last last year, uh, an average brand new car would cost £27,000. Now, I don't know anyone that's got that kind of money to pay off a car like that that fast. So, nah. obviously, a lot of people go into the finance option. Now, again, I don't see the point in that because you're wasting a lot of money. Um, and it's just another monthly bill that you have, which is just going to hinder you from, from buying a house. Yeah. Now, an average new car 20 years ago was £20,000. And the example that, um, I think it was the Daily Express that did this article, the car they used was a brand new Lexus, and that was £20,000. So it, you say, you know, only a £7,000 increase in 20 years isn't that bad, but when you look at what an average new car is these days, yeah, it's not a Lexus. It's probably a brand new, I don't know, Ford Fiesta. Or like... or. Yaris or you know, something. yeah, something like that. Um, so not only has the price gone up, but the quality, I would say, has probably gone down. I don't know a lot about cars, but you know, so it's just another, it's another, it's another wall in the way of people are already trying to buy a house because you've got all these outgoings. Obviously, with having a car, the price of petrol has skyrocketed as well. I think when I was younger, I remember my mum getting petrol and it being ninety p a litre now now it's you know now it's like one pound thirty um which in petrol terms is quite a lot um yeah it's just it's shit it's a shit time to try and buy a house and it's a shit age to do it and i think the pressure that is bestowed on people our age from other people that have either got houses already or through money and through family or from their older generation of people they know, maybe older friends they know, maybe older family, saying, why haven't you done this? Why haven't you done that? Well, the reality is it's pretty flipping impossible, to be honest, for lack of a better word. Um, it's, it's just bonkers, really, that people think that you can own a house at this age like you could 20 years ago. Um, yeah, I think the thing is, we yeah. know so many people that have been given money by family... To, to buy houses, to buy cars, or they're just given these things, given cars, whatever. And these are normally the people that almost um, shame you into the fact that you don't have these things. 
Yeah, it's kind of rich, isn't it, really? Because actually you haven't had to work for those things. You haven't had to... I know having having them, the upkeep, the costs on top, you haven't actually had to front up to get them in the first place. So it's a real unrealistic expectation. Yeah, they don't... Uh, in my experience, people that are, have come from money and that have been given these things, were given a car have been given, you know, a place to live rent-free. Yeah, exactly. Don't have the understanding of what it costs to to run, not even to run a house, to run a car, to run a shit car. They don't understand these problems. They don't understand getting on the train every day to go to work, how much that costs. They don't understand that, sorry, I can't go out this weekend because I got rent to pay on Monday. And that's the really annoying thing. And I'm not taking, I will tell anyone this, I am the luckiest person alive to be in the position I am right now, thanks to my mum and dad for what for the help they gave me with my house. But when I got that house, I put myself into £6,000 worth of debt, trying to make payments because I'd split from my partner, so I was paying uh, everything. But I had two roommate, roommates then as well. And my monthly mortgage payment and my bills, etc., were I think it was about two hundred pound more a month than my income, including my rent I was charging my housemates. So I got myself into quickly. But people that come from money and get given these opportunities have no understanding of how scary that is. Because, for example, if you if you go and view a house next week down by me and you put a deposit down on it and you're like, I'm going for it straight up and something goes wrong and you've got no one there to bail you out, that is terrifying. I mean, yeah. m- money debt for me, it was like every month I was like, right, how much can I pay back? How much can I pay my dad back? How much can I pay my credit card back? It is horrible, but people that drive around in their brand new Mercedes and their brand new BMWs that mummy and daddy pay for just don't understand the value of money I think is the biggest thing like on a night out if you go out to a pub and all of a sudden you wake up the next day and, and if I'm like oh Christ I spent 50 quid last night that's quite a lot of money yeah. but then if your mate's like oh God, I spent like 200 pounds it's like nothing you know and I'm like fuck off like you don't understand that 50 pounds is actually quite a lot of money and you could yeah £50 to me is one week's worth of food. Yeah. That's like, it's, it's, a, it's a strange way of looking at it and it's probably like a quite boring way of looking at it. But when it comes down to, oh, should I go out tonight on the piss or should I eat for seven days? I think I'm going to choose the food. Yeah. And yeah, it's frustrating, especially like exactly what you said. Uh, it's always people that are in that position that make you feel bad for not, for not yeah. being... For not being able to do what they can do, you know? It's like um, peer shame in that. Yeah, and, it, and it's just so strange. And I think it probably goes back to a few podcasts ago when we say you just got to get rid of these negative people around you. You know, you don't want people saying, oh, you, well, you should have done this already. You should be saving for a house already. You should have this, you should have X amount of money already. Why don't you? Yeah. And it's like, well, hang on. Like, you know, you should be encouraging me. You should be supporting me. You should be giving me advice on what to do. Yeah, man. It's 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 really strange and it's frustrating and it's upsetting. But people are like that; they don't know any different. That's yeah, the world they've been brought up in, you know. Yeah. I think uh, where you and I are quite similar is the uh, where you were raised by your you know your single mum. Yeah. As much as uh, my dad was definitely in the picture my entire life, um, even though my parents had divorced, I'd see them both equally each week. Yeah. they taught me the value and the understanding of money. You know, when my when I was just born, so they had my brother, my older brother and me. My mum was studying and working. My dad had two or three jobs each time. And it's just, it makes you understand what money, how valuable money is. And uh, for me now, I, I look at, I have to look at purchase as an investment. Yeah. So I don't mind spending £300 on a fridge freezer because it's got like a 10 year life on it or really 30 quid 30 quid a year and i'm like yeah that's pretty cushy 
Yeah, but I've got to look at these things like investments now. Yeah. Whereas I can't just, it's not just expendable money. Um, and yeah, it's just annoying. You can't have, well, I, I don't want to say you can't have nice things in life when you're like money dependent, but you are very aware of how much more expensive, nicer things are. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's not, it's not nice things. Is it? It's the material things that some people, your influencers, your people who love social media, the, the way that they perceive the good life to be. Um, yeah, yeah. Is to have these material expensive things when in reality if you've got a roof over your head you've got a hot food on the table if you're in a relationship and you're with someone that you care about and they care about you then what more do you need really yeah and also like how lucky are you to have those things yeah I, I think this uh, whatever thing that's going on at the moment COVID etc um, has made me realise like Jesus Christ you know it does suck at the moment like it really yeah. is shit but my God, could it be a lot worse? Yeah. I'm still able to go for a walk in the day. I'm still able to eat the food that I want. I'm, I can still go to work. I can do all this. My health is good. My mental health is good. I could be having such a worse time right now than what I am. So I think people yeah. need to need to actually realise that, yes, it is a shit situation for everyone, but it could be a lot worse for you. And yeah, uh, you're... Your comment about the the influencer side and the social side of it and the people that like to flash what they've got. Nine times out of ten, you actually realise that person is really unhappy on the inside and they're really they are craving social affirmation yeah. and they they are craving that approval from other people. Um, you know, that oh look, she's got a new car, I'm eating at this restaurant, I'm getting this this week, I'm going on holiday here the next week. Yeah. And it's like, you know what, good for you. Like, if you can afford those things, why not? But in reality, does anyone else give a fuck apart from yourself? Yeah. And no is the answer. I don't care that you're going to Dubai during a global pandemic. Well done, you're part of the problem. Like, it's, it is, in my experience, people I know, when they're flashing these things on social media, it's generally because they're not really getting the, the approval that they desire. So they're splashing everything all over Instagram. Where there's the opposite is me and you, and we're just posting pictures in our budgies most of the time. <laughs> and, uh, I think this is a, a whole other podcast episode that we could do about this. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, is you could say that we're, we're basically um, bagging people to posting things, and then I, I think, oh, I post my runs on my Instagram story every week. That's probably doing some people's heads in, but I have. A private Instagram page, so if people have an issue, you know, just fuck off. Um, yeah, literally. But there are pe- there are people who I post my running stuff, and there are people who message me, asking me things, asking me what I'm doing, why I'm doing things. So there are people that are interested. So you're doing it for a purpose. It's not just flashing it. It's not just showing off. But there are some people who will see it that way, and other people that kind of like to take the piss or try and bring you down a bit in front of other people yeah which, which to me again is bizarre at, at the age we are um, to still have people feeling like oh, I'm trying to phrase it well to still have people our age that feel the need to degrade you in front of someone else it's uh, just, it's just to, to cover up their own inabilities their own fears within yeah. themselves they they bag other people to make themselves feel better in front of other people and that's what makes them happy because they've got their own uh, issues going on that they obviously can't deal with yeah yeah exactly um but you are quite right that is a whole nother podcast um <laughs> we are we are trying to talk about the the walls that are in a way for young people and the pressure that they feel but i think we've covered it really well um yeah. just i know we've mainly talked about property and a bit car stuff as well but for people that are listening there is if someone's putting pressure on you to buy a house to buy a car or anything like that get put some headphones on them play this podcast <laughs> and we'll tell them to fuck off and we'll tell them all the reasons why it's so flipping hard for people our age to own a property let alone maybe we could start something here do you reckon like a, a <laughs> like a paid thing that will yeah. will literally at people in the podcast. That's exactly what I'm thinking. <laughs> we can charge. Hey, if anyone's interested, 
we can do it on the cheap. I'll just I'll tell your friends and family to fuck off and leave you alone if you want. So and um, we'll do a whole pod. Yeah, we'll do a whole podcast on it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just uh, for people at home, don't feel like you have to rush into buying houses just because your mates are doing it and your family did it at your age. There are a lot more barriers now than there were when they were your age. So do not worry about it. It's not the end of the world if you don't have a house before the age of 25. It's not the end of the world if you don't have a house before the age of 50. If you don't buy a house till you're 60, then well, what's the worst thing? You've got a house? Fucking hell, it's not that bad. But anyway, I think now is a very good time to uh, bring back the snack segment because last week yes. I didn't do it because I was with Hattie. Last week I didn't do it because I was with Hattie and I feel like this is just a, a me and you thing. Uh, this week you were in <laughs> charge of buying the vegan the vegan friendly snack because I did such a bad job a few weeks ago. Uh, and today's, <laughs> where, did you, where did you buy it from? Waitrose. Did you get it? Waitrose, yeah. You went, you went all out. You went bougie. Yeah. Um, this is from a brand yeah. called Lazy Day, I'm assuming. Uh, it is Millionaire Shortbread. And just for you calorie counting junkies out there, the average piece, 30 grams, is 150 calories. So I think that's roughly the same as what last week's was. Um, that is good. Yeah, plus, is it good? Well, I say is it good. I did scoff one yesterday when you delivered them. Um, there's five pieces in this pack and I will be eating all of them. I'm um, going to eat all five. Give me some uh, Give me some textural words. Does it feel like in the mouth? I think... <laughs> Feels biscuity. I think it's nice to have the dark chocolate. It's quite bitter. The caramel is nice. Um, mm. I know what you mean about the base. It's a bit dry. Very yeah. crumbly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just gone everywhere. Yeah, I've got biscuit all over my floor. But, but that is good. A very good a very good one. I highly recommend that. That was Lazy Day Millionaire Shortbread. Made with Belgian chocolate. So we went all out bougie this episode. And yeah. the next, uh, well, the next part of the podcast is going to be us talking about general myths that people have about men. Now, when I put the poll out on Insta, uh, as I said, it was 51% in favour of this bit. So I did a little research earlier. I found uh, a website that... Well, I can't remember what they're called, but it was all about people hating men. So I thought it was the best place to look. <laughs> and I've got some myths. And considering we've only got about 20 minutes left of this episode, I reckon we're going to do some quick fire answers. We'll smash them. I've got, okay. I've got seven myths here. We're going to talk about and we're going to describe our experience. And we're going to say whether that's a myth or not. Okay. And the first one is men aren't emotional. Now, that is a complete fucking myth. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now, and I'll tell you why. Because the word the word <laughs> emotional, people straight away think the word emotional is upset and sad. Anger is an emotion, as I'm <laughs> feeling right now at this myth. You know, I would say I'm quite an emotional person. Last week I watched that movie Soul on Disney+. Plus. Incredible movie, by the way. I had a tear in the eye. I was choking up. And it's like the same if I watch like Marley and Me or something. You know? I think it's a load of bollocks when they say men aren't emotional. I've seen grown men cry before. The amount of people I've asked, the amount of fathers I've asked how their childbirth was, so it's the best day of their life and that they cried as soon as their kid was born. And I, and I spoke to, I would say, 10 plus dads about that. I don't know where people get this men aren't emotional. Men aren't emotional because they build up or they don't build up, sorry, they have this uh, expectation to be this hardened man that doesn't show emotion, that feels no pain, that can wrestle a bear or something like that. It's a load, it's a load of bollocks. Men are emotional, they just don't show it because they've been brought up 
the way that being emotions means that you are weak. Showing emotions means you are weak, sorry. Uh, which is a, a load of utter bollocks. And I'd like to think we've covered that in previous podcasts. What's your experience? Men, emotional? Yes or no? <laughs> so, my, as, my as I'm screaming. Then. At you, yeah. <laughs> my Wi-Fi dipped then and I came back in and you were going off on one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, you got to put that in the video, aren't you? <laughs> now that we've got video. Yeah, yeah, um, of course. So... Depends what people perceive to be emotional. Um, That's it, isn't it? A lot of people think emotions means upset, crying. Yeah, I, I suppose. I mean, we. I've said this probably in the first one. I've been called emotional and available, um, not in, in touch with your emotions, kind of thing. And I think it's the fact that maybe men are less um, outgoing with showing their emotions. Yes, um, I would agree. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think that touch, that completely links with what you just said about we've been brought up to, to be tough, to 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 man up, which is, you know, the, the favourite hate phrase of the moment about men not having to man up. Yeah. Um, but we are that generation where we have been told to man up our entire lives. Um, so maybe we aren't so good at expressing our emotions. But that's not to say that we're not in touch with them. We're just not, we're not going to, we're not so good at showing them. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think you've only got to watch, uh, you've only got to look at you w- watching a game of Wales play rugby, and then every, everyone will realise people are emotional, that men are emotional. Anyway, I would say that is a complete myth. Men are emotional. Yeah, myth. That one, that one, Big myth. That one triggered me a little bit. Uh, next one, men only want sex in a relationship. <laughs> are this all one infuri- all infuriates me. Even more. I can't even believe this. This was number two on the myth list on this website. Uh, I think I can imagine the best way we don't think this. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. <laughs> but the best way I can explain this is, I enjoy company in a relationship quite a lot. Now, it doesn't mean I don't want to have sex with my partner. That means that I enjoy company with them just as much. What's wrong, like? <laughs> this question annoys me so much man. this myth so <laughs> if a man only wants sex in a relationship I think it's pretty clear it's gonna he's gonna be given off that vibe pretty easily like pretty quickly yeah, definitely because he won't show interest in you he won't want to go and do things with you no he'll just want you to come around and then an hour later want to kick you out the door yeah um but personally I quite like doing the things like Going to the cinema, going for food, just watching a movie, like getting a takeaway. But these are the things we do, Will. Yeah, that's true, actually. Maybe <laughs> I want to have sex with you. Maybe that's what this is telling us. Um, um, yeah, I think I think it's a load of rubbish. I think men only want yeah, a sex in a relationship. Yeah, for me, if it was, if I knew I only wanted a physical thing, I would let that yeah. person know. Yeah. Because there's no point in getting entangled with emotions and stuff. Uh, because obviously no. men aren't emotional. So, <laughs> and we need to manage. We don't need that. Yeah, uh, absolute myth. Um, yeah, big myth. Next one. Men don't like their female partners earning more money in the relationship. Oh, that's fucking bullshit. That I is such that. shit. If I am married oh, in ten years' right time, wing fucking neo-feminist bullshit right there. Exactly. If I'm married in ten years' time and my wife earns more than me, that's quality. That yeah. is unreal. That is the dream. Why would I not want my wife to earn loads of money? That's such a... That's, that's annoyed me the most so far. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Because I would like to think... You know, most relationships are 50-50. If you're going on holiday, you're paying for, for yourself, you know, unless it's a... You know, you're, you're buying a gift for someone for their birthday. You're going away for their birthday or something. But them earning more money than you, I guess it comes down to men feeling emasculated. By, yeah, someone's got an ego problem. Yeah, yeah. Someone comes home and gets a load of shit off their dad or something because, oh, well, your wife is clearly the bread earner and your family, that she puts the food on the table, you know, she wears the pants. Well, actually, that has yeah. nothing to, it has nothing to do with that. She's just successful in her field. Oh, that's uh, so annoying. It's just bizarre, isn't it? I can't believe people actually think this about men, but then I can in the same way because there are men out there that 
live like this. There are yeah, men out there that are... It's a very traditional thing, isn't it? It is, yeah. And they do get so... Not humiliated by it, but they're, it, they are emasculated by it. They're like, well, I'm the man. I should be providing. I should be earning more. I should pay for you on a date, blah, blah, blah. Don't get me wrong. If I go on a date with someone, I always offer to pay. But if they're like, no, I'll, we'll split it, we'll split it. I'm like, well, this person's clearly sound. Uh, anyway, another topic completely. Um... <laughs> Would you say that's a myth? Yeah, it's a fucking... It's not even a myth, it's just fucking bullshit. It is just utter, utter bollocks. Right, next one. Men only care about their partner's looks. I don't know what website I got this from, but I'm never using it again, if I ever find it. Have you what picked a, up some kind of neo-feminist? I must have gone onto just some cult website or something. Would you only care about the looks in your partner in a relationship no no it's utter horseshit i tell you what the best way i can describe this if i see a very attractive uh, female across the room and i say oh she's really attractive i'll go talk to her i go and talk to her if she knows she is attractive and she's really cocky about it that is the biggest turn off ever i'm never talking to that girl ever again yeah. It is awful. A per- someone's personality makes them so much more attractive. Mm. Uh, and I think that works both for men and women. Because it doesn't matter how good looking you are, if you have got the personality of a piece of cardboard, no one's <laughs> going to date you. I think this this is a, probably on a boil down to the roots of this one. It's probably, the nature of it is probably um, being doled up all the time kind of thing. Looking like that and I, I've I've had issues in the past with exes and things where I I don't like a girl to look dolled up that much to be honest yeah. I don't like makeup and it's a real like bugbear of mine the fucking lip fillers all that sh- crap and all the makeup and you know what are you hiding to be honest yeah like, so I think that's bullshit I much prefer a natural look um, yeah um, I, I agree with you don't get me wrong I love dressing up myself. I love putting a shirt on, putting some decent shoes on, going for a night out. Lip fillers. Yeah, I love having lip fillers, get Botox on the reg. But, you know, you ha- I think people in relationships have to realise your partner isn't going to look dulled up 24-7 like the first time you met them on a night out. Because, and I myself, on a Sunday morning, after a night out or something, I look absolutely honking. And if people don't realise that that is... What you look like ninety nine percent of the time. What a f- infuriating question! And the next one is even worse. Um, also, that is a massive myth. Uh, it's not all about looks. Personality plays a massive part. The next one, <laughs> I fucking hate this one. I have to write it down because I know it's just gonna be funny. If you don't come during sex, you don't find the girl attractive. I'm not gonna dignify that with this one. <laughs> <laughs> That is utter bollocks. I tell you what, the people they interviewed, I can guarantee you it's because they had too many beers on the night and yeah, nothing would happen. That's, that's you, ask, some... you ask any guy if they have too many beers, nothing's going to happen. Apologies, Brilliant but... Issue. Brewers droop. Yeah, it's just not going to work, <laughs> you know. And if you do get it to work, you're not going to finish, I can tell you that for free. You're just going to get bored. going around your bloodstream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your blood's too thin by alcohol to maintain the bulk. Other things. Yeah. Um, utter bollocks, <laughs> that is. Utter horse shit. Someone is not going to have sex with you if they didn't find you attractive, full stop. So that one's... That one's a load of... Uh, just a load of drops. The next one... Bullshit. Yeah. The next one is quite interesting. Men can't be mates with women. Uh, I don't. What's, do you have any female friends? I just... This is the most ridiculous series of things. <laughs> I don't know. In my life. It's funny, though. Yeah, I do. I've, to be honest, most of them are girls that I work with. Yeah. Um, that I meet with and girls that I've worked with in different um, organisations that I still talk to and stuff. So, yeah, I mean... What do you think the benefits are of having female friends opposed to male friends? Uh, I think the female perspective on everything is 
incredibly valuable. I think other perspectives in general are great to hear, but I think the female perspective particularly, because um, for me personally, I'm obviously I'm quite hot-headed, quite short fuse. So most of the girls that I know who um, whose opinions I actually am interested in, they'll normally give me a far more balanced view of things than I normally would have and less reactive than I would be. So, you know, it mellows you out a bit and it makes you look at things in a different light. I would completely agree. I was going to say that as well. Um, <laughs> having having Hattie on last week, she is uh, one of my best friends. I've known her for 10 plus, well, not 10 plus, probably about 10 years now. And it's the perspective thing, 100%. If I have a problem with, I don't know, work, relationships, money or something like that and I'm like I think I'm going to do this I think this is my answer to this problem she'll turn around and say actually if you do this if you say this this will happen and I'm like fucking hell I didn't even think about that yeah but because women think so differently to men it helps massively um yeah. and yeah I mean I wouldn't say I have loads of female friends I probably have I don't know probably three or four Hattie probably being yeah, the closest of all of them um, but then saying that, I don't have loads of close male mates. Again, yeah. I probably I probably have what I would define as a best mate would be again three, maybe four at a push. Obviously, yeah. I have what I would call as mates, but um, yeah, real close mates. It is an, a narrow gap, a small list, I should say. Have you written um, down where you got these from? No, but I'm gonna find it out. It will be on my mm-hmm. internet history, so uh, mm-hmm. I'll find out. I'll put it up on the Instagram page. Because it's just going to be amongst all them, the dwarf born and stuff. Yeah, we'll, we'll just get rid of that and close down all of the illegal sites. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, no, I think that's utter bollocks. I think men can be mates with yeah, women. Um, I'm assuming that this is going off the complications that, or the assumptions that men only want sex in any type of relationship. Well, yeah, that's, that's true. And so, they're not emotionally available either. So Exactly. So utter bollocks, 100% myth. <laughs> right. Last one is one close to my heart. Fruity drinks. <laughs> I think you'll find I refrosted my tips the other day, so I'm nice and blonde on top. Um, fruity drinks are not manly. Oh, I just, I just, I give up. This I'm just not interested in this. I've decided this is re- you've got this from like the UKIP manifesto or BMP manifesto. It's horrendous, isn't it? Because my drink of choice, usually on a night out, is a strong dark fruits. Other drinks are available. But let's be honest, it tastes delicious. Yeah. I mean, why would you not want... I'll have a sweet tooth anyway, but why would you not want to enjoy what you're drinking? We emptied Weatherspoons in Plymouth on rugby tour of dark fruits for their weekend on the first day. This is what I mean. If you go on a day drinking session, if someone expects you to drink like 12 pints of fucking bog standard lager or cider you're gonna throw up at some point you need one of these fruity drinks to re-cleanse your palate now and also yeah i was just about to say how many people go out for bottomless brunch at turtle bay and slug and lettuce places like this like and if guys are like oh we're drinking that you're gay i'm like shut up i saw you on instagram last week with your missus in turtle bay so shut up and it's i found this out it happens more in the north than it does the south. I went on a day. <laughs> I went on a day drinking session to Birmingham with uh, an ex partner oh, yeah, of mine, yeah. male male friends, yeah. and we went to um, Brewdog. Yeah, the, yeah. they you don't serve the mailbox as well, didn't you? Yeah, they don't serve cider in Brewdog up north, so I had to have a lager. <laughs> then, then we went to like a Weatherspoon somewhere. And they had dark fruits on because it was a Weatherspoons. And I was like, oh, I'll just have a dark fruits. And then some geezer come up to me. He was like, oh, what are you drinking? Ribena? And I'm like, no, you fucking clown. I'm in Weatherspoons. Like, obviously not. Just because you're drinking Stella all day doesn't make you a man and make me inferior. Like, the whole fruity drinks thing. And it's like, I know uh, you would agree with me on this. Gin and tonic. One of the nicest drinks there is. Yep. We've, we've been to multiple gin nights at the local pub. Yep. And highly recommend them as well because they are incredible. But what is wrong with a gin and tonic? What is so feminine about drinking a gin and tonic? Like, have you not gins I got at the pub? Yeah, like have you not seen Peaky Blinders? 
They literally just drink gin. And it, oh man, it's just so annoying. When someone says to me, oh, that's a girl's drink. I'm like, no, it's not. You clearly have a tiny penis. It uh, just, this is some me kind off. of inferiority complex. Yeah, massively. But think somehow thinking, drinking something sweet or fruity makes you feminine. And that is yeah, just. No, that's ridiculous. Absolutely bizarre. What a math, massive myth this is. And I'm going to find this website and I'm going to email them a strong, strongly worded <laughs> letter. Um, with a link. <laughs> yeah, with, with, a, with a link saying, uh, these are my responses to your myths. <laughs> but yeah, that was the myth list. Um, I might try and get some more for next week because it was fun ranting about them. Basically, they're all myths and just yeah. turns out no, no one actually knows what men like. Um, no. or men want so there you go no one's we actually are... asked no exactly no one's asked the average person have they yeah uh, men are anomalies no one knows what we think <laughs> um, but yeah I think that wraps up this episode pretty well we had a good little run um, one thing we do need to do is our local oh, business no. shout out of the week oh because I didn't do this last week either because I'm terrible at uh, doing a podcast um, and <laughs> no uh, this at all yeah, literally just, I don't do it when I remember, really. Um, the first week we did this was for Dursley Barbers, and this week uh, we're going to do it for a friend of ours, uh, the gym that is opening, fingers crossed, next month, providing lockdown is over. It is Full Life Fitness, owned by Jack Robson. It is down the bottom of Long Street in Drake House, uh, right outside my front window, which is very convenient. Um, it is shaping up to be one of the best gyms in the local area by far there is going to be every training program and diet plan and pt the best of the best are going to be there it's i believe he's described it as an elite training facility uh yeah. for for everyone really there's ice baths there's saunas steam rooms there's cardio rooms there's a massive weightlifting section he's also working with a physiotherapist and there's a recovery room there's a private PT studio, so you've got to get PT'd in front of everyone. It is going to be the dog's bollocks, and I cannot wait for it to open. Um, and there's going to be budgie smugglers. And, and yes, ones. and women, there's going to be swimsuits for women, there's going to be budgie smugglers for blokes, there's going to be t-shirts, there's going to be hoodies, all the stash you could want. It is going to take over Thursday, and I can't wait for it to open. So yeah, local business shout out of the week is Full Life Fitness. Uh, find them on Instagram. Uh, both myself and Josh follow him. We always post in his updates. Um, it's, it is going to be really good. Really excited for that one. And that wraps it up for this podcast. Uh, what are you doing for the rest yeah. of the day? Oh, well. Anything planned? A hundred pairs of budgie smugglers that I need to figure out who they're going to. Oh, yeah. We got some more custom ones, didn't we? Yeah. So, yeah, they're all, all over my bed here. Um, Gonna label them up so I don't give them to the wrong people. Nice. Uh, that's about it, really. Um, continue to to chill off the back of twenty five kilometers yesterday. Yeah. Um, might play some Warzone, you know. Decent. Decent. Do. Took the dog out this morning, so that's done. Nice, nice. What about you? Uh, nothing really. I am on the late shift this week, so I don't need to do my food until tomorrow. Gonna eat the rest of these shortbreads. I might watch. Endgame again. I've only I yeah. only saw it that one time. You went to the cinema, but it's three hours yeah. long. That is a big Such commitment. A um, Love it. It's so good, and I'm ready to show my emotions. Yeah, I need to watch Wonder Vision actually. Uh, if anyone's out there and has watched Wonder Vision, let me know what it's like. Um, so good. Yeah, I do need to start that. Uh, I'm currently working my way through the US office at the moment, so I need to finish nice. that and then uh, I'll get on to it. But yeah. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for coming on. Next week as well, fingers crossed, we are getting a, a guest on. Um, uh, a friend of Josh's and someone I briefly know. Uh, and hopefully we'll be talking about upbringings, about different upbringings, how that shapes you as a person. Um, and stupid fizz challenges. Yeah, stupid challenges like pulling tugboats down canals for miles and miles. Uh, this guy is a, a legend of the game. So hopefully... Fingers crossed we can get one next week. We are in contact. Um, so watch out for that one. And yeah, thank you all for the continued support. It is amazing. 
last week we got over 150 listens week before that it got close to 200 and of course our first episode now is up to about 250 listens which is insane <laughs> yeah so thank you everyone the messages that we're getting are unbelievable thank you for the support uh and lots of love stay safe see you next week bye